Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jordan. Enjoying life. We had the Super Bowl yesterday, and... Uh... It was super, but it was good to get together with some friends and to eat some food and to enjoy the game and and watch it go into overtime and then see how it all played out. So it was very interesting. Nice. Yeah. Well, as you know, I've got little boys and we saw that uh, the puppy bowl was available, I think on Prime. Um, (laughs) So we just threw that on and they were just they were just eating it up. (laughs) Much more interesting to them. And in some cases to the rest of us, too. (laughs) So that's awesome. (laughs) Who doesn't love the puppy bowl? That's great. Well, I'm too logical. I'm just, this is, this is going to sound so weird and pedantic, but like they kept talking and it was so cute and there were puppies and then they were like, oh no, they, you know, they did an infraction here. And I was just like, I don't see an infraction. What are they talking about? (laughs) What rule are they invoking here? (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. And I literally had to stop and just be like, Jordan, it's all just (laughs) about adopting the puppies. Stop with the rules. (laughs) I love that. Oh, my goodness. So, um, (laughs) yeah, there was that. Uh, But I was excited because my second cousin once removed, uh, my little cousin Etta was baptized on Sunday. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's wonderful. So where was she baptized? Here in Bowling Green? Yeah, at Hillview. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. You know David and Kelsey. Yeah. uh, Her parents. And uh, Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Um, So... Uh, yeah, it was just awesome. They they texted us on Sunday morning and we're like, hey, we're, you know, she's getting baptized. You can watch the live stream. So like all the cousins in the group chat were like, oh, whoa, 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 you know, pulling it up and, you know, taking screenshots and sending it to them. And that's so amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So God is good. We're, we're yeah. excited to see that. Amen. That's, that's phenomenal. David and Kelsey are wonderful. Uh, listeners, you probably have no idea who we're talking about, yeah. but I knew them before they were David and Kelsey when it was just David and Kelsey, and I uh, got to watch their relationship come together and grow together, and they have a beautiful marriage and a beautiful family, and what a beautiful moment as their little girl professed her faith in Jesus Christ. That's remarkable. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, man. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. So the scripture we talked about on Sunday was Acts sixteen thirteen through 15. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who had, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So this story finds both Paul's party, which includes Luke, the writer of Acts, and Lydia at a river on the Sabbath. But why are both of them going to this river on the Sabbath? Great question. Well, let me say first that there's this really cool reference here that you just mentioned, and I want to make sure that our listeners capture, and that is that Luke the physician, the writer of Acts, is now with this group of travelers. And you say, well, how do you know? It doesn't say, and Luke joined them. Well, in verse 10 of chapter 16, Luke starts using the the first person plural pronoun, we. And in verse 6, for example, he said, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. 
But in verse 10, he says, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. So this is where Luke joins this band of missionaries on the second missionary journey. And I just think that's a really cool implicit reference that Luke is now telling us not only the account of an eyewitness, but it's his own eyewitness account to what he's seeing. And so I just think that's really, really encouraging and really cool. So they come into Philippi. There's not a synagogue there, so they go down to the river. And Jordan, you have done some really good research that I would love for you to share as to why they would have gone down to the river. Would you be willing to share that? Absolutely. So in the text, Luke uses this term called prosuke. It's place of prayer, but it's it's more technical than that. So essentially, you know, if there's a synagogue in the city, then the Jews in the city would have gone there. If there was not a synagogue, then the Jews would have found a prosuke. It's a place that's probably near water under the open sky, um, maybe in the form of a theater or something like that. And it's where Jews in the city that would not have a synagogue, so like with a smaller Jewish population, would go to meet on the Sabbath or on festivals to, um, you know, have prayer services. So that's why when Paul went to the city and there's no synagogue, he was like, okay, well, where would be a prosuke? And it seemed like he found one here. And there were, in fact, some God-fearing women here who met there on the Sabbath, and he found them there and met with them because they were going to the same place, this prosuke. That's probably why they were all there on the Sabbath at that time. Yeah, and, and so I'll tell you what's really cool. Um, we had our meeting this past Sunday for the group that's going on the Footsteps of Paul tour, and one of the places we're going is Philippi, and one of the things our itinerary specifically says is we will go to the place they believe to be the location of Lydia's baptism. Nice. And so I'm so excited to get to see this spot. Uh, I don't know what it is, but bodies of water capture me and particularly bodies of water in the Bible. And so having been to the Holy Land, to the Sea of Galilee, to the Dead Sea, been into the Jordan River, um, seeing the places where they believe the Israelites crossed over into the Promised Land, where they believe that Elijah and Elisha crossed over, um, where they believe that Jesus was baptized. I mean, it's just remarkable. So I am so looking forward to being on this riverside where Lydia professed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you like Philippians, that book, that's one of my favorite books in the New Testament. It's one of the most encouraging books in the New Testament. Paul wrote it from Rome, uh, chained to a prison guard, but still talked about the joy of the Lord. And so Philippi has always captured my imagination. And And I will tell you that my own conversion to Christianity, uh, the preacher was preaching Philippians chapter 1, for to me, for to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's the, that's the specific verse that God used to open my eyes to my need for the, the gospel, my sin, my need for forgiveness, and that Jesus is the perfect Savior uh, who died in my place to provide that forgiveness. So I'm kind of geeking out about that. I'm not going to lie. And one of the travelers who went with us to the Holy Land, uh, I kind of had one of those moments yesterday, and she's like, I love to watch you get giddy over these sorts of things. And I do. It's just it's so amazing. So anyway, just to just a reminder to our listeners, you know, these are real places and these are real people. These are not uh, fictional characters. These are human beings whose lives were deeply impacted and changed forever, literally forever uh, by the living God. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it, there's something about water and there's just so much to uh, study even just about, you know, the 
the themes of water in the Bible. Oh um, yeah, and I I know that sounds so like vague, but you know, if, I mean, even Paul references how you know crossing the Red Sea was a baptism of sorts yes. for the the Jewish people, um, a new beginning. Uh, you know, and then you know that carries on to into the New Testament where baptism is the sign that you have entered the school of discipleship of Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's why you have Lydia here who was a God fearer. Like she believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but what she do, she was, she was immersed. She was baptized because she was entering the specific school of discipleship to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that was the sign of that. Um, well, and just another reminder it's still the sign of that. Yeah. It's still the indication that I have submitted my life to the teachings and leadership and lordship of Jesus Christ. So if you're listening to this uh, and and for whatever reason you haven't been baptized, and I know for me, you know, I was sprinkled as a little kid at my parents' decision. And I love my parents for making that decision. And in the faith tradition that we were in at that time, that's what you did. But um, you know, when I stand before God, I'm not going to say, well, my parents had me baptized. No, what I'm going to say is I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And, um, and that baptism of my own volition, professing my own faith, was such a vital moment in my life. It happened for me in my early 20s, but it was such a vital moment. And so I just want to encourage any of our listeners, uh, if the Lord is speaking to your heart about baptism, reach out to me. We would love to talk with you about that and answer any questions you might have. Uh, I've been through quite a journey with that myself, and I would be more than happy to share that with you. Yeah, and Jeff's email on that is jreynolds at firstbaptistbg.org. We'll have his email linked in the show notes so you can reach out to him more easily on that subject. Perfect. Yeah. Now, rewinding a little bit into Acts 16, before they arrived in Philippi, Paul's party was deterred from going to some other destinations. Verses 6 and 7 say, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And having come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Okay, so there's a lot we could talk about in there, but I'm interested in the difference between the Holy Spirit and the spirit of Jesus. Or is there a difference? Great question, and the answer is there's not a difference. It's, it's, it is, uh, this text is referring to the same person, the same entity, the Holy Spirit of God. Um, so when we think about God, he is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, so Jesus said in John chapter 15, beginning with verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will, will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. He's speaking to his disciples in this upper room discourse. So Jesus is the one sending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit proceeds forth from the Father. One of the important things to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is not an it. It is a he. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, the, the Spirit, uh, equally God with the Father and the Son, equally um eternal with the Father and the Son. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in the beginning, God was there, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There has never been a time when God was not, and there will never be a time when God will not be. So when Moses said, what's your name? What do I tell them? Uh, about who has sent me to redeem your people. And God gives forth his name. I am. He is the the one who currently always is and always will be and never won't be and, and always has been. And so uh, he is the one who exists. So there is no difference between the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus for God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And... Uh, but that's a really good question, and somebody asked me that at Vespers on Sunday night as well. So I'm glad that you brought that out as well. That's an important important thing to note. That's not two different Holy Spirits. That's not two different entities. Uh, that is the same person of the Holy Trinity. And it's interesting that you bring up the Genesis 1 passage about the, uh, the Spirit being over the waters, because in Jewish literature, that is understood to be the Spirit of Messiah. Um, that's yeah. cool. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, you know, I'm saying Jewish literature, meaning modern <clears throat> Jewish literature, not New Testament you right. know, scripture. It's like just assume that that is the, the spirit of Messiah. Like it's this connection that, you know, the creative word with which everything was created uh, is strongly associated with Messiah and with the redemption that has come. And that's what was hovering over the surface of the water. Which is very interesting because in... John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And uh, so, man, what a great connection. That's really cool. And, of course, we confess the Messiah to be Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, that's great. Thanks for bringing that connection out. Yeah, absolutely. So let's make this practical today with today's practical application question. Okay. So clearly, God had called Lydia to do some boots-on-the-ground ministry work in Philippi. Today, many believers, and myself included, have felt certain that they were called to either join a ministry organization or even start a ministry organization. How can someone know if God is calling them to ministry work? And how can you know when you're not called to ministry work? That is a phenomenal question because having been through— receiving a calling from God, it is a daunting task to really discern, is this God or is this personal desire or is this somebody told me I should and maybe I could? Or in the very worst, am I trying to, you know, make money illegitimately in the name of Almighty God, I would encourage you not to do that. Yeah. Uh, and if you're near someone who has done that on the Day of Judgment, I would take a step back um, because it's not going to be pretty. But here's what I'll tell you. Number one, if you're a Christian, you are called to ministry. Now, that may or may not be vocational ministry, but the call to sharing the gospel, the call to helping others trust and follow Jesus, the call to live out your faith in a way that tangibly benefits others is universal among followers of Jesus Christ. So there's that. The next question then is, how do I know whether or not I am called to enter vocational ministry? In other words, um, should I work for a church? Should I uh, seek licensure or ordination as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do I know that? Well, I think there's a couple things. Number one, 
there's an internal sense of calling that God is working within you, stirring within you uh, this sense. Now, you probably won't hear an audible voice. I did not. Most people I know did not. Um, but God begins to stir within you a desire uh, to enter vocational ministry. For me, I was in college pursuing a pre-medical course of studies majoring in biochemistry and molecular biology. Along the way, I got involved in a ministry on campus, and then going into my junior year, out of nowhere, the leadership of this ministry on campus asked me if I would consider becoming the male leader of the ministry. <laughs> and it's like, what is this? So I came back to Bowling Green and met with my pastor, Steve Ayers, and I said, what? I, this is not on my horizon. This is not on my radar. I'm in school to play football and study to hopefully get into medical school and uh, prepare for the life ahead of me. And he said, well, you never know what God might be doing in your life. So I would encourage you, if they want you to do it, give it a shot and just see. And you will learn very quickly whether or not that's a passion uh, or a burden, you know, a burden insofar as not a burden for helping people, but a burden of, ooh, this is not for me. Yeah. So I did. And what started to happen was my passion for medicine started to wane and my passion for ministry started to grow. Uh, and it was really remarkable and really hard remarkably hard. And I wrestled with it because I didn't want to go into vocational ministry. I wanted to go to medical school. I wanted to help people, but in that way, you know, in a hospital somewhere, a doctor's office. Well, I wrestled with the Lord and I can tell you from personal experience that when you fight with God, he wins and he won. So I finally came to this moment of surrender where I said, okay, I will lay aside what I thought was the trajectory for my life, and I'll, I'll do what you want. I don't even know what that looks like, Lord. I really don't want to be a preacher because I don't want to write a paper and give a speech every week, and that looks like a very difficult life that I don't want any part of, but what? regardless, whatever. So I had a, a guy, a mentor, who was helping me, uh, meeting with me every Tuesday morning, and we would talk about ministry, a local pastor who is a dear, dear man to me, a guy named Peter Bartuska. And Peter and I would eat breakfast and just talk about life and ministry and what was going on with this ministry on campus and how we could be more helpful in people's lives to help them trust and follow Jesus. And I'll never forget, I, I, I decided I was going to tell him one day over breakfast God's called me into ministry, and I thought, he's going to be so overjoyed, and he's going to jump up and give me a hug, and this is going to be great. And so I told him, Peter, I, I, I believe God's called me into ministry, and I'm going to follow that course. And he goes, well, we'll see. <laughs> and I was like so dejected. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He said, we'll see. He said, I'll tell you this. If you can do anything else in life, go do it instead. And again, I'm just like crushed because you know, I, I had family members who did not understand. Yeah, I had, I had my own dad was not happy about it. Um, I thought out of everybody, my my spiritual mentor with whom I ate breakfast and talked about Jesus every Tuesday morning would be thrilled. But I've since learned the wisdom in his reply because it's the same reply that I give to people now. Ministry's hard. And not only are there physical aspects of it 
insofar as leading people and those sorts of things, that's difficult. Whether you're leading a peewee baseball team or, you know, a corporation, that's difficult. But when you surrender to full-time vocational ministry or part-time vocational ministry, you are essentially putting the devil's target on your back and saying, okay, I'm going to enter into a life of spiritual warfare that is not for the faint of heart. And it gets pretty intense sometimes. And you labor with the Lord and you pray and you, you deal with hard things. And you, you get to be with people at their moments of greatest joy. And you also walk with people through their moments of deepest sorrow. And um, so I would say to anybody, if you can do something else, go do it. But if you're called, the Lord will be relentless in that call on your life. He really will. Um. And it will, it will be more of a calling. So that leads into another aspect, though, of discerning this calling into vocational ministry, and that is you need to be a part of a church because part of the function of that church is to recognize the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you and call those out. Now, they can't tell you you're called, but they can affirm that, or they can say, mm, yeah, you might want to think that through. Um, part of being a part of a church and in a community of saints, community of believers in Jesus Christ, is they will be able to look and affirm, yes, we believe God has called you. And, and that's the way it works in the Baptist church. So, you know, you first go through a, a time of testing and then you're licensed. And you kind of uh, have the opportunity uh, to, to officiate weddings. The, the state really doesn't care who officiates funerals, but they do care who officiates weddings. And so in the Baptist church, if a church licenses you, then that gives you the authority to marry because the church has recognized this ministry in you. And then the next step would be ordination. Uh, I would say that ordination is more for those who are going into the senior pastor role. Um, but it's, again, the church affirming this calling in you. So when we hire staff members here, uh, we don't hire ministry staff members. We call ministry staff members. You say, well, what's the difference? The difference is for ministry staff, they go through an entire process of meeting with a search team multiple times, then having their name, if the search team chooses them, be recommended to the personnel team. The personnel team reviews them, and then the personnel team recommends them to the congregation as a whole, and the congregation as a whole has the opportunity to meet them and talk with them and ask any questions they want um, and really evaluate for themselves is this individual exhibiting a call into ministry? Now, when they're coming from a different place, you have to say, oh, well, they exhibited a call to ministry for X number of years in this location. Um, Alex Watkins, for example, is coming to us uh, from New Friendship Baptist Church in Auburn, where he has served since 2011, I think, in 2011 or 2013. Um, but he's been there a long time. It was 2013 because he was there about 11 years. And... What we are seeing is, okay, well, New Friendship Baptist Church affirmed his ministry call, and they affirmed it routinely over the course of a, more than a decade. Um, so that weighs into the congregational decision of do we, do we affirm him as our minister of adult discipleship and missions? And so, again, when the church affirms that individual— that's a big statement in support of, yes, we believe this person is called by God into vocational ministry. So 
God is going to give you an inward sense of that calling, and God is going to affirm that and confirm that externally. And, and let me just tell you one more thing um, that caught me off guard back when I was in college wrestling with a call. In the summers, I worked for Scotty's Contracting here in Bowling Green. I came back to Bowling Green, and you've probably seen the blue and yellow trucks, whether they were working on I-65 or any number of jobs, uh, road road paving and road work and maintenance <clears throat> yep. maintenance here in and around our area. Well, um, I was working for them uh, during the summers, and one of the things I got to do on really good days was escort low boy drivers. And low boy drivers move huge equipment, and it's always a wide load. So I would be the little truck in front of the wide load warning people and trying to fend off anybody who might, you know, get in the way and get hurt or anything like that. Well, I was with this low boy driver named Glenn. Glenn is now with the Lord, but Glenn was a bivocational preacher, meaning that he served a church, but he also had a full-time job in addition to that. Well, we were just talking, waiting on something to be ready for us to load it and move it. And just talking in in the middle of a construction site in the middle of nowhere on dirt so that's what i remember about this conversation and we're talking and and we're talking about the lord and those sorts of things and i'm still wrestling with the call i hadn't told anybody that i was wrestling with the call other than pastor steve um and all of a sudden out of out of nowhere glenn goes you ain't gonna be no doctor boy i said what do you mean he said, you ain't going to be no doctor. I said, well, sure I am, Glenn. I mean, if I can get through all the stuff and get to medical school and all, he said, that's not what I'm saying. He said, God's hand's on you. He said, God's going to use you in ministry. You ain't going to be no doctor. And I have never forgot. I mean, I was shaken. Hmm. Or to use the common vernacular today, I was shook, man. I, I mean, I was like... We were able to load that piece of equipment, and I probably cried the entire way <laughs> we were going from point A to point B. Um, thankfully, I didn't have a wreck or anything. Mm -hmm. But moments like that come, and God affirms in you um, through people who know you well, through people who see you, and then there will just be these outlier moments where God says, through wonderful human beings, God's hand is on you. And... Um, so it's not a cut and dry. We'll open to, you know, third John chapter one, since there's only one chapter and, and look to look for your name. Well, that's that's not the way it works. But um, but just to reiterate, every Christian is called to help others trust and follow Jesus. So you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you listener are called to help other people trust and follow Jesus. And if God wants you to do that in a vocational setting, I believe he will make that clear in the ways we just discussed. Jeff, that was really practical and really helpful. You know, I really wanted to ask this question because, I mean, like I said, I at one point had thought about, you know, looking into becoming a pastor and I talked to a mentor about it and he was like, I really think that you should just be where you are and just do what you're doing. Yeah. And it was the best advice, you know, he could have given me because it yeah. was right. You know? Yeah. Like God had called me to be where I was doing video, doing social media, doing all of these things because I'm impactful for the kingdom and what I'm doing with those things. Unbelievably impactful for the kingdom. And I will tell you that those who are not 
ministers in the vocational sense or pastors in the vocational sense are in no way less than than those who are ministers or pastors. Uh, that's one of the things I like about uh, being a Baptist. You know, we are um, we are brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's brother Jeff kind of a thing. You know, um, I'm not any more special than anybody else in the eyes of Almighty God, and uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And so. Again, you know, you're a perfect example of someone who is definitely filled with the Holy Spirit of God, definitely seeking to trust and follow Jesus in every aspect of your life. And God has called you to ministry, but that looks a lot different than what God's called me into. And it's beautiful because God is using both of us with our unique gifts and talents and abilities and Chadwick Walden, who's sitting next to us silently uh, on this podcast, but making the, the audio happen. He's using all of us uniquely for his kingdom, and nobody's better, nobody's worse, nobody's more important or less important, um, but it's all for the glory of God. So I think that's a very important distinction. So so don't feel less than in, in any regard. If God is calling you to vocational ministry, God bless you. Do something else if you can, but if, if you can't, if you're compelled, then talk to us. We'll be glad to help you. Um, but if God is not calling you to vocational ministry— God bless you. Go do what he's called you to do. Sell insurance in the name of Jesus. Treat patients in the name of Jesus. Drive wide loads in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is he's called you to do, um, do it as though you are working for the Lord. And I didn't come up with that. The Bible says that. So there you go. There you go. Amen. Uh, And again, we'll have Jeff's email in the show notes. So if you have any questions about that, if you think you have a calling, but you'd like to ask a little more detail on it, then his email will be right there. And Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you that you use even people like us to accomplish your will. And we pray that all of us would be instruments in your redeeming hands. Lord, to lift up the name of Jesus, to help others trust and follow Jesus Christ as Lord, and Lord, to glorify you in doing that. So Lord, we surrender ourselves yet again to your Lordship and your leadership. We are so thankful for real people like Lydia and Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, who simply fixed their eyes on Jesus and said, whatever you want, Lord, that's what I'll do. Wherever you lead, that's where I'll go. Have your way in me. And we have all been blessed because of their obedience to you. And so, Lord, help us likewise be obedient so that the world might be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.